y'all, and welcome back to the Appalachian Spooky Hour, or just welcome if you're new here. I'm Sam, your host, and I have some really exciting news to share with all of you spookies tonight. I'm going to be hosting an episode of the Pseudopod that is due to be released on October 13th, featuring the short story Midnight in the Southland by Todd Kiesling. If you aren't familiar with Kiesling, he's a Kentucky native like myself, and an absolutely magnificent horror author who's been the finalist for superior achievement in a novel from the Bram Stoker Awards. Definitely check out his work, and definitely check out the podcast episode, and all their other episodes as well. I'll include a link to the pseudopod down below in the description of this podcast episode, and we'll include an additional reminder in our October 11th episode that it is coming up. Alright, before we dive into talking about the Lake Hope Furnace, let's hear a brief ad from the sponsor of this episode, Spotify for Podcasters. In tonight's episode, we travel to an area of Appalachia that's seldom talked about, and it's Ohio. Now, not all of Ohio is part of Appalachia, not by a long shot, but the southeastern portion of the state is which is how we've come to find ourselves in the township of New Plymouth in Vinton County. Now, New Plymouth isn't much to write home about. It's just a small, unincorporated spot in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, located about five miles northeast of the town of Zaleski, and it's home to the Lake Hope State Park. We're not here, however, to talk about the lake, or the state park, or the town itself. No, no. We're here to talk about the Hope Furnace. The Hope Furnace is an old historic blast furnace, which was one of two extant iron furnaces in Vinton County. It was used to smelt iron between the years of 1854 and 1874, using primarily coal as fuel. Now, the production of iron and supplying all of the materials necessary for melting meant that a decent-sized workforce was needed, and at the height of its production, there were around 300 people who lived in the surrounding community and worked at this furnace. You know, this was a big operation and brought much-needed industry into the area at the time. These types of furnaces were not at all uncommon in rural areas of Appalachia in those days. The area I live in here in eastern Kentucky had brickyards that required large furnaces. And there are also blast furnaces for iron, like the Hope Furnace, that were, you know, likewise in the area. A lot of these furnaces were sort of rectangular in structure on the bottom and then shaped like a trunked pyramid. Most were made of sandstone, which is very abundant in the areas, and it was just there for the taking, so they utilized it. So Hope Furnace is built, and it's thriving. But we also know that while we're not here to talk about parks and lakes, We're also not here to talk about the intricate labor that went into blast furnace building and maintenance and use. 
we're here to talk about who or what might still be hanging around there today. Eventually, the need for blast furnaces like this became obsolete, and the towns that had cropped up around them died off. The furnaces were just left to crumble and left to the elements. The buildings in places like New Plymouth have all but disappeared. But curiously, there is one worker who still seems to keep showing up for work. At the height of its operation, the Hope Furnace was running 24 hours a day and putting out around 15 tons of cast iron every single day. To make sure that the furnace kept running at night, the company hired night watchmen to make sure the furnace fire stayed stoked. These men were also charged with watching the engine house and to try and keep people from falling into the furnace itself. History, or at least folklore, would tell us that these men lit lanterns while making their rounds, as flashlights didn't really exist yet, and they would often walk a platform that was along the top of the furnace. Now, as with most ghost stories, there are a few different versions of what happened on this particularly fateful night. The first version of the story tells us that it was very rainy and stormy, and the watchman was walking along the platform with his lantern, as per usual, when he slipped in the dark and fell into the incredibly hot iron ore inside of the furnace. That is an unimaginably painful but likely very quick death, but it's uh, a little disturbing to think about. In version two of the story, a bright bolt of lightning split the sky startling the man and caused his doom to tumble into the furnace. So very similar versions of the same story, whether he slipped and fell, got startled and fell, he's in the furnace. And uh, yeah, he's not coming out. There is, however, a version of the story that's probably the most well-known and most often repeated in this version, the watchman's out in a very fierce, raging storm. He's trying to make his rounds, he refuses not to do his job, and he could not or would not wait for this storm to pass. He's dedicated to his job, he's going to do what he said he was going to do, and, he, and he's making his rounds no matter what. He's making his rounds. The lightning strikes are getting closer and closer. The storm's creeping nearer and nearer. Eventually, he was struck by lightning and then fell into the furnace. Nobody knows if the lightning or the fall was what ultimately ended his life. But what they do know is that not even death itself has stopped him from keeping watch. On stormy nights, the watchman returns to make his rounds yet again. 
dozens of people have reported a ghostly or dark figure carrying a lantern, pacing the furnace until lightning strikes nearby. At that point, he will disappear until another storm comes rolling through. I wasn't able to find a name for this supposed haunt, only different variations of the story you just heard. I wish I had more information, but because this happened so long ago in a time when a lot of things weren't documented or weren't documented well, or even if they were, they were then lost. This is sadly all we seem to know about this man. What makes this even more interesting, though, at least to me, is that this isn't the only such story from Vinton County, Ohio. Near Zaleski, which I mentioned earlier, we have another story that takes place in the Zaleski State Forest, wherein sit the remains of a ghost town called Moonville. Stick with me here, guys. I know Moonville sounds very far-fetched and made up, but I swear it was a thing. Because the Moonville Tunnel is still there. The tunnel was built after Samuel Coe gave land to the Marietta and Cincinnati Railroad to construct a line across his property sometime around 1856. So the furnace was going strong by then, too. And he was hoping this would allow him to more easily ship out the coal and clay that were mined on his property and would provide a better route from the small town of Marietta to the city of Cincinnati. So the town sprung up around the property, and it was primarily filled with miners and railroad workers. That's very hard to say, railroad workers. Um, But by 1947, the railroad was dying and the community went with it. All that kind of remained today of the town of Moonville are the cemetery, the tunnel, and an old schoolhouse. According to some folks, the tunnel is haunted, and there's several stories about who the spirits are. A common tale is that they are former railroad workers who were struck down by a train on accident. They come back to the tunnel they helped build, lingering in this place that they put their blood, sweat, and tears into. The people of Vinton and the workers that came there were clearly very dedicated to their work. You can still visit both of these places today. The railroad tracks have been turned into a series of hiking trails, and the Moonville Tunnel, as far as I'm aware, is still there. The furnace is also still standing, and is there New Plymouth to be explored. Perhaps it's worth a visit on a stormy night to catch a glimpse of the night watchman who still shows up for shift every now and then. I'm definitely going to add both of these places to my list of spots to visit. I'd love to make a stop this September, but my time in that area of Ohio is already tied up at the Ohio State Reformatory, which, by the way, we'll be discussing in a future episode. I'll tell you guys a little work-related haunted story of my own. It's not my personal story. This actually happened to my great-grandfather and was one of my my grandfather, my pappy's favorite stories to tell me when I was a kid. And I can remember it word for word to this day. And uh, my pappy's been gone for 22 years, so it's been a while. My great-grandfather worked in the local clay mine. 
mining clay for one of the brickyards here, and um, he drove the mule and buggy team. But the team belonged to the mine, so he walked to work. So he's walking to work, and it's snowing outside. You know, pretty deep snow, like ankle deep. And he's trudging along in his boots and his coat, you know, making his trek to the mine. And he passes the old church house that used to be here. Now, this isn't the new church house that's been there since my childhood. It's an old wooden structure. So he's walking to work. And he um, passes the church. And there's some ladies on the porch of the church house. And they call out good morning to him. And, you know, it's break of day, like around dawn, maybe still a little dark out. And he's like, oh, hey, you know, good morning, ladies. Thinking they're there to, you know, go in, clean the church, do whatever. Well, he walks on a little bit and he thinks that was unusual. And he really starts to think about what he just saw. There's snow on the ground. It's very, very cold. These women were on the front porch of the church, sitting in summer dresses, fanning themselves. He thinks to himself, okay, something's not right. So he turns around and he goes back. He approaches the church. The women aren't there. He tries the door. It's locked. Looks in the windows. The church is dark. There's nobody here. He does a little walk around the building. No footprints but his. It scared him shitless, you guys. He never fully understood what it was he saw, why he saw it. Clearly it was something probably residual. But it was also a little intelligent because it spoke to him. Or they spoke to him. It was th two or three women. That story always stuck with me because as a child, it was so easy to believe it. Like, why would anybody make that up? That's such a weird ghost story to just make up. And even now as an adult, you know, I still believe in the supernatural. I still believe in the paranormal. I completely, completely believe in ghosts. To varying extents, you know, I'm a skeptic to things. I like to learn. I like to understand. I like to see things for myself. I like proof. But I'm not inclined to to think people are liars. But there's always been something about that story that stuck with me. And that always felt so genuine and real. Not just because my pappy told it to me or that he also seemed to believe it. But because I think this was truly an experience that was had by somebody in my family, somebody that my dad was close to, that my pappy obviously was close to. And it's just so crazy to think about. But I'm sure we all have, to some extent, stories like these in our lives, or most of us do. I don't know about you listeners, but I think a lot of us who are here for the strange and the paranormal and the macabre and the unusual and all the myths and crazy folklore, would we be here listening to stories like this, telling stories like this if we didn't have something that made us believe? And I've talked about that before. 
And it's why I really want any of you that have a story to share, send it in to us. We would love to read some stories from you guys on air. It could be a story that was told to you by your grandmother. It could be something that happened to you, to a parent, to a sibling. What made you believe in the existence of these things? Whether it's ghosts, Bigfoot, any other kind of, you know, spirit. Have you ever seen a will-o'-the-wisp? You know, I would love to hear from you guys because we all have these shared experiences that while they're not the same story and we didn't hear them the same way from the same people, they still mean the same thing to all of us. And that makes it a shared experience, guys. So yeah, that's how my great-grandfather once saw three uh, female ghosts sunning themselves on the porch of a church house in the wintertime. All right. (laughs) Um, So our haunted road trip kicks off soon on September 9th, and we will be sending out postcards to those lucky spookies who participated in our contest on Instagram. We love all y'all, and we wish we could send things to everyone. We're also working hard to put up a little online shop where you can buy affordable spooky merch to help support the podcast and our future endeavors to bring you the best content from Appalachia. We are also starting a new YouTube channel that will be kind of adjacent to the podcast. We won't upload as often there, but there will be videos to sort of accompany our personal paranormal journey. So um, all the stories we're going to tell you about on the spooky Uh, road trip podcast episodes will be featured in videos on the YouTube channel. And the YouTube channel is going to be called the Appalachian Spooky Hour Presents. So keep an eye out for that. We'll keep you updated on the podcast and on our Instagram, which is at Appalachian Spooky Hour. We post a lot there. So if you're looking to kind of keep up with us outside of the podcast, that's the best place to find us. We really, really, really want your spooky tales to feature here on the podcast, especially if they take place in Appalachia. Send us your stories and experiences over on thespookyhour.com. If we choose to feature it, we will give you absolute credit. We really, really want to hear from you guys. Don't forget that the Pseudopod episode is on October 13th, and all of our special content is coming up. Our live show will be September 13th. We will be coming to you live from the Farnsworth House Inn, the most haunted inn in Gettysburg and possibly in the United States. We'll tell you all about its haunted history and do a little ghost hunting while we're on the air. You can also catch us live that night on Instagram if you're more interested in watching than just listening. Or you can catch the live podcast episode later on on a replay. All right, that's all for this one, Spookies. The next time you see us, we'll be in our new weekly format and getting ready to take off on our haunted road trip. We'll see you. And until then, remember, don't go outside alone after dark.